0: So working with autistic and neurodivergent young people, it can be extra hard to know what's helpful and what's not. And at Techie for Life, our school and mentoring program for neurodivergent young adults, over the last six plus years, we've learned a few things as we are actually putting things into practice, right? We've learned what works and what doesn't. And we've honed in on how to better support development and growth and adulting. And unfortunately, Jason and I did it, and many of us with good intentions are actually sabotaging development and we don't even realize it. And over time, that can be really discouraging when you really are investing so much of your time and your energy and your emotions and your money, right? Um and your neurodivergent young person is still struggling and not making much progress. And things actually get harder as they get older in some ways. Like that that gap of progress can start to become uh, even more accentuated. And so the biggest thing that we see that gets in the way of development is anything that contributes to them going or staying in a lower brain threat response survival state, no matter where someone is at in their development, this will always be true. And no matter a person's neurotype, okay, this goes for neurotypical kids, but it's especially important to understand when someone's neurodivergent, um, because we don't develop when we're in lower brain states and our neurodivergent young people, like the studies and brain scans and, and the things that are coming out from the neuroscience is showing that neurodivergent brains have a harder time shifting out of a lower brain state. There's a, they don't have as much ability in their prefrontal cortex to be able to manage their lower brain and pull themselves out of that state or to pause and slow down going into that state. So it's extra, extra important to understand this when you're working with neurodivergent young people, we don't develop when our lower brain is kicked into gear and in survival mode. We develop when we're in a higher brain, uh, emotionally regulated state, when we feel safe, And we're getting our basic needs met. So, what does it look like when they're in a lower brain state? What does that really look like? It can look like emotional meltdowns outwardly or shutting down inwardly. Um, It can look like hypermanic behavior or very lethargic and depressed. So, what's actually happening is The sympathetic nervous system has two parts. The sympathetic, like the nervous system has two parts. The sympathetic system, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is like hitting the gas pedal. That is that fight response. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is the system that creates the breaks. That's the fight or I mean the flight and freeze responses, and then kind of the fawn is you know in bet- a little in in the middle there. So you're getting like the gas pedal hypermanic, or the brake pedal lethargic and depressed, and it's all a threat response, and it's not coming from the higher the higher brain. It's coming from the lower brain. We're in danger. Do something. Um, so that's where you might get the gas pedal needy really needy and graspy and demanding your attention nonstop or the brake pedal detached. Don't want anything to do with you. Don't reach out. Don't connect. Right. Um, It can look like spinning the gas pedal spinning. They're spinning out and they're going in circles, not going anywhere. And they're just still hitting the gas pedal in that spin or completely checked out. Nothing happening. Like they just can't. It can look like stubborn and rigid or People pleasing with no backbone. Okay. It can look like when they're like just overwhelmed, tons of energy going into overwhelm or just blah, like not caring at all anymore. Um, It can look like overtly sabotaging their success or inwardly self sabotaging. It's that fight, aggressive, proactive gas pedal or that break pedal, where it's avoid, withdraw, flight, or freeze, like spin, get stuck, or the fawn, where it's kind of, it can look a little passive aggressive or like people pleasing, or when they have no sense of identity and they just look to everyone outside them for identity. Um, This is where the fawn is also where you see the masking happening. If they're masking and pretending to be something they're not um, to fit in or to not get in trouble, or to get rewarded they're masking that is exhausting it takes so much energy and it's coming from a very lower brain uh, parasympathetic nervous system triggered response like j- it takes so much efforting to put on that mask and um and it's exhausting and it causes a lot of mental health issues later so that's what that lower brain response can look like and then as parents and mentors there's things that we do that can influence or trigger them either going into that lower brain threat response or like staying and even getting more habitually entrenched in it where the brain just goes into that and that's just what they know and so I want you to be aware of that that the thing that that can keep them that we're doing that we actually have influence in is our own lower brain state. Okay. So how we act, how do we behave? How do we show up as parents and mentors when we're in a lower brain threat response triggered state? Okay. When we're in the throes, like how does that look for you when you're in the throes of stress and fear and anxiety and overwhelm and hypervigilance Or you're feeling the other way. Like that's like all the gas pedal stuff, right? And then, or like the brake pedal, feeling avoidant or depressed or just like giving up, like shutting down. You're like at your breaking point. We we just, when we're in that state that we, it's impossible to show up as our best self. And bring all of our talents and intuition and resources and problem-solving skills and abilities. It's impossible to access that when we're in a stressed state. And often what it'll look like is when we're feeling all that, when we're feeling that stress, when we're in that lower brain state, we can tend to get controlling and really micromanaging and bossing and angry and yelling and just really controlling or we get really avoidant um, we don't want to deal with it we ignore we don't address issues like we go to the extremes right we might overreact or we don't respond we don't pick up on and we're not noticing when they're getting stressed and when they're about to maybe have a meltdown or we like we're hitting that gas pedal, like, oh no, danger, gas pedal, and we overdo. We just continually overdo. Or the brake pedal, we underdo things, right? And and let me tell you, if you're underdoing, they're getting overwhelmed. They're probably getting overwhelmed. And if you're overdoing, they're gonna underdo. Okay, they're gonna underperform. If you're overdoing, they're gonna underperform. It's kind of the nature of it. So when we're in that lower brain state and we're stressed, we actually have a really hard time connecting because the brain's not thinking about connection. It's thinking survival. What do we do to get out of this terrible state we're in? Get out of danger, right? And when we're in that survival mode, we can't be there for our young people when they're in their survival mode. Okay. When you're stressed out, it's really hard to give support like empathy and connection and be able to collaborate. Let's work together and figure this out or to just comfort and nurture. So I want you to be aware of that and and then understand that development happens when we're uncomfortable. Or in other words, when we're challenged. Okay, if we're comfortable, and it's not a challenge. We're not developing. We've already got the pathways. We already know how to do the thing. So development happens when we're uncomfortable, when we're being challenged a little bit. But the key is challenged, but not overwhelmed. Okay. So we have to really watch when we get into either too much or too little extremes. Okay. Then we, then we're getting in the way of development. So if we're offering too much comfort, we're going to get in the way of their development if we don't offer enough comfort right that's going to be a problem we want to find that good enough middle space too much help can inhibit their development too little help will inhibit their development too much money too little money right too much too high of expectations and too low of expectations if if they're too high it's like overwhelming right but if we if we have too low of expectations there's no challenge there's no It's almost insulting, right? If there's too much responsibility that we're giving them, it it overwhelms them, right? If there's not enough, then they don't ever really learn and grow and develop. Um, Another big one is too much stimulus or too little stimulus. For some of our neurodivergent young people, they need a lot of stimulus to be able to, to be emotionally regulated. And then for others, too much stimulus just completely... Um, overwhelms them and they shut down. It's interesting. I, when I was in charge of um, the children at church, like the the children's program, um, we would, you know, teach the kids in the classroom, you know, the big classroom. And we had one of the moms, like just went all out, super talented and creative and artistic. And she just did like the most amazing wall display and it had big bold colors and um cutouts and shape like it was just the most amazing like wall display and i was like oh my gosh this is so amazing like i can't believe like this mom did this and put so much time and effort into it and then unfortunately like the kids came in and a lot of the kids loved it right but then there was some of our kids that that had ADHD or had autism and, or were, excuse me, you know, that were ADHDers or autistic. And like, I still remember this one little boy, he just wouldn't even come in the room because it, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And then finally, like we problem solved it and finally figured out, Oh my gosh, like the wall was just so over stimulating it was actually hurting his brain he was like i have a headache like I my brain hurts like his eyes were hurting he, he could not handle the stimulation of that wall right so too much or too little too much social too little social too much stuff or too little stuff okay so that stuff thing for neurodivergence i would err on the side of less stuff Wow. There's been studies like that just shows like for especially ADHDers, if they have a ton of stuff, it just adds so much distraction to their brains. So simply just simplifying living a more minimalist lifestyle, uh creating a more minimalist home environment, um, can really make a big difference. Like deleting and ruthlessly like removing clutter and simplifying the environment can make a huge difference. Opportunities, too many opportunities, too many choices can be feel like pressure, right? But not enough opportunities, and there's not that opportunity to grow and develop. So it's it's looking for balance. It's looking for that kind of good enough middle, and working to meet their needs physically, emotionally, intellectually, and socially. Um, Wherever that is for your young person that you're working with and and parenting. Navigating a good enough amount of support is truly a nuanced art. It takes a lot of curiosity and compassion and intuition. And when you're in a lower brain stress state, you're just so much more less likely to have the mental, emotional wherewithal to be able to navigate things successfully. So the work that we have is to not beat ourselves up over our our stress state. Okay, that just adds more stress. Super, not helpful. It's to recognize that supporting ourselves when we're in a lower brain state is going to help us be the mentor that we want to be. Okay, it, that is the thing that will help us move into a higher brain state. It's not fixing all the problems. It's not coming up with like the perfect solution and and the perfect therapy or the perfect treatment. Like it's actually recognizing when we're in a lower brain state and then supporting ourselves in ways, taking care of ourselves in ways that we can move into a higher brain state more easily. Okay. And that's the work I do with so many parents is helping them gain awareness of the things that keep them in lower brain states and then being able to that practice of like processing emotions and be able to move into higher brain states. And then the details and figuring out where that good enough space is, it just gets so much easier when we're in that confident, secure, we got this, we can figure this out state. Okay. Even when you have a kid having a meltdown, like when we practice recognizing our own state, then we can respond to meltdowns in a completely different way And, and hopefully not meltdown as much, right? Like it's just a practice. And then when we have those meltdowns ourselves, we can comfort ourselves and take care of ourselves so that we can be able to move back into a higher brain state when we're ready. So I hope this is helpful. I hope, um, I hope you're taking care of yourself and, and actually prioritizing that and don't ever believe a lie that you can't take care of yourself or you don't have enough time because you have a disabled child or, or a child that's really hard. Like it is actually critical. You will have more energy and more emotional capacity if you take care of yourself first and move into that higher brain and practice and, and do the practice, do the work of moving into a higher brain state. So have an amazing week and take care of yourselves. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com.